Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the ninth commandment, Thou shalt not bear false witness. As we look at the ninth commandment, it reads this way, Exodus 20, verse 16. It says, you shall not bear false witness. If you have an NIV, it says, give false testimony against your neighbor. The New Living Translation reads this way, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we have this moment. Uh, Thank you that we have been able to sing our praises to you and you've inhabited our praises. You live inside of us if we're Christians. We're born again, sealed with your Holy Spirit. And you are the God of truth. And we're going to look at the negative side of this commandment that we're not to be false, not to give false testimony and false impressions, lie. But the truth, the, the positive side is we're to be true witnesses. We're to be people of truth. You desire, David prayed, truth in the inward parts. Would you change us, Lord? Because we realize every time we look at a commandment that it's not somebody else, it's us. We need to hear this for us. And the law is a tutor to drive me to Jesus Christ. I need a Savior. I'm so grateful for a Savior that is changing us, sanctifying us more and more into people of truth. Would you do your work through us, Lord? Would you give us ears to hear what the spirit of truth would say to us? In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Good morning again, Exodus chapter 20. You shall not bear false witness. I just wanted to give you a couple of uh, quick clarifications. Um, Recently, I think I said on a Sunday morning, we should live as if Jesus isn't coming. Here's what I mean by that. Prepare as if he's not coming, but live in the light of his second coming. Do you all get what I'm saying there? There's a tension there. I've taught uh, just recently in Malachi on the coming of Elijah and the the day of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. And there's no doubt about it. And he could come in our lifetime. I don't know. But make sure that you're also doing the other things that you need to do to live your life and plan well and do all those things. I think you guys get it. Here's the second clarification. I had said in a recent message that there was a gentleman who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge to commit suicide. His name is Kevin Hines. This happened around uh, 2000. He was 18 or 19 years old. He was distraught and decided to commit suicide. And he did jump off the bridge. He hit the water and his body was really devastated. But uh, as he was going down, he had regrets. and And he said basically this, Lord, I don't want to die. It would have been good had he done that before he jumped. But anyway... Partway down, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. He hit the water, his body was racked with pain. And as he was submerging, he noticed that there was something swimming under him. He thought it was a shark, and he thought, I've survived the fall of the Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm going to get eaten by a shark. This can't be right. Well, anyway, it turned out that I had said to you it was a porpoise, and then I said, God has a porpoise for your life. I think you all appreciated that humor, didn't you? It wasn't a porpoise, literally witnessed by another person who was there. It was a sea lion that kept pushing him up to the surface until the 
uh, lifeguard could arrive. So it wasn't a porpoise, it was a sea lion, and I'm not lying. All right, so. And I saw the door to walk through there. However, that is, everything I just said is true. But we are talking about lying. (laughs) So anyway, there you go. Now you'll notice in uh, the ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness or give false testimony you can kind of see the idea that there's courtroom language there, and that is exactly where the command goes. It's repeated in Deuteronomy 5.20, if you're interested. I've been giving you some Hebrew words, and for those of you who are new to the Bible, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew originally, the New Testament in Greek. And here's the Hebrew word for false. It's sheker. It means an untruth or a sham. It describes, a false witness describes deception, disappointment, falsehood, and fraud. In the Hebrew picture language, it means to devour the back of a person so that they don't know until it's too late. Now, if we all look up at the the picture, here's, uh, this is taken directly from the Hebrew uh, dictionary of picture language. Moses would have written the original characters and pictures Uh, more like what you see on that left-hand sign at the bottom. Here's the letters that make up the word falsehood. It's the sheen, which are basically a picture of teeth. It's the uh, kuf, which is a the back of the head in the picture. And it's a resh, which is the head or a person. You take the picture together, and shaker means to devour the back of a person so that they don't know until it's too late. Now that is a powerful image, is it not? And you know, you can see the two businessmen there. The one guy's got his hand around the other guy. They, they seem to be laughing and, you know, having a good time. But behind his back is an axe. And that is this idea of falsehood. Shaker. To paint a false picture, but to have other things in mind. To have the axe behind your back. And all God's people said, yikes, more to come. Now, that's the word for false. The word for witness has legal or judicial uh, beginnings. It has the idea of a courtroom. And I would just tell you that a courtroom is a mirror into a culture. In fact, one writer put it this way, the court system of a nation depends on the honesty of its people. And so if we, if you're interested in court shows and they're always intriguing to look at court dramas and court shows and that kind of thing and look at evidence and all of that, the idea of a false witness would be captured in a word we're all familiar with and that is perjury. Someone would go to the witness stand and they would swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. And then they lie through their teeth. And if you've ever been on a jury, it's very difficult sometimes to understand who's telling the truth. And then you have slick lawyers and you have wiggle room in the law and technicalities and all this stuff. And the courtroom can move us into just society. For the last two years, it's been very difficult to discern who's telling the truth in the scientific community. Who should we believe? What are the facts? What's really going on? One person says this. One person says that. And then, you know, in Congress, they'll interview a person and they'll take them to task. And you watch the song and the dance. And then in the political realm, every time there is, uh, you know, a new uh, election coming up, what happens? 
Uh, there's the ads that go back and forth and, you know, read my lips, no new taxes and all, all that stuff. And you're like, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. We've become so cynical. We expect people to lie. They did a survey a few years ago in America and they asked Americans, how often have you lied on a resume? 50% of people submitting resumes in America said they had lied about some thing that they put on the resume. So if you're a business owner, I would make those phone calls to the references just to make sure that you're getting the whole truth. Story came out uh, around the year 2000. There was a gentleman who uh, got the Notre Dame football coach job, which is obviously a very prestigious job. I don't remember the guy's name at the moment, but he was announced as Notre Dame's new head football coach. And of course, it had to be, you know, a pinnacle moment for his life. But then all of a sudden, a reporter was doing some research into this guy and discovered that he had lied about his education and university that, universities that he had attended or the length of time. And it all came out. And all of a sudden, they removed him from the head football coach. I think he was the head coach for a couple of weeks. And he went from the pinnacle of life, you know, getting this incredible job to, you know, obviously uh, falling hard and being exposed as a liar. And that's one of the toughest things I think we can all, you know, we can all kind of resonate with that is, you know, being caught. They, they call it a web of lies for a reason. If you lie about something, and this is from the greater to the lesser. So we're going to move from the courtroom into kind of just normal everyday life. And we are not to be people of falsehood. We are to be people of the truth. We're to be a community of truth. We serve the God of truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And if you read the verse right up here, he prayed for the disciples, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So today we are going to get the word of God and we're going to get a full plate of it and it's going to confront us. And just so you know that I'm right with you, some years ago, uh, I, I went into full-time ministry at, the, at uh, around the year 2000, and I was in the business world and in sales for quite a number of years. And I had a VP of sales who had been asking me about calling this client. And he was basically just pushing me to follow up with the client. And I was an ordained pastor in this company. I was ordained in 1995, this spot, you know, sometime in the later 90s. And he asked me, Michael, have you called the client? And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then I made a commitment. I'm going to call them today. The end of the business day came and he said, did you call that client? And I went, yeah. I hadn't called him. So I went back to my desk and here I am, an ordained pastor in a company. I just lied to my boss, right? (laughs) Kind of in a corner, you know, in a moment. We've all probably been there before. And I went into his office and I confessed it. I said, you know what? I just lied to you. I haven't called yet. I'm going to go call right now. And he was a bit shocked that I had confessed it to him. And he goes, okay, just go take care of it. And that was the end of it. And I tell you what, I was embarrassed. But I felt conviction from the Holy Spirit that that's not who I am. I am not to be a man who is a liar or in any way tries to pull the wool over No matter what we call lies, if we can call them a half-truth, if we put a color to our lie, oh, it's, it's a lesser lie because it's this, it just doesn't work. God is a God of truth, and our culture is rooted in so much deception today, it is difficult 
to sometimes be able to kind of ferret through it all. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. Our fiscal year ends March 31st, and thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. No matter what we call lies, if we can call them a half-truth, if we put a color to our lie, oh, it's, it's a lesser lie because it's this, it just doesn't work. God is a God of truth, and our culture is rooted in so much deception today, it is difficult to sometimes be able to kind of ferret through it all. In the ancient world, just so you understand some of the backdrop, people charged, charged with a crime had little protection. All the nations outside of Israel had a system like this. If a, if a witness accused you of a crime in the ancient world, you were presumed guilty until proven innocent, and you could be condemned on the testimony of one so-called eyewitness. And so if someone accused you of something, and especially if it was a capital crime, Your life, your very life was on the line in these nations. Now, by God's providence and God's wisdom and everything, it was different in Israel. And here's how it worked. Deuteronomy is to your right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Another book of Moses. And he is going to talk about this idea of a witness in a court of law. Deuteronomy uh, 19.15 is where we're going to be. And this is known as the power of multiple attestation. Let me just explain. In Israel, there was a requirement of more than one witness. If you've been wrestling with whether or not you're going to believe the Christian faith or the resurrection, scholars will often appeal to something called multiple attestation. That just simply means that there are multiple witnesses of the resurrected Christ, for example, or the events that surround the passion of the Christ. And so whenever you have more than one eyewitness, there's a power in that. And remember, in the ancient world, there's no forensic evidence. They can't do DNA testing. It's the word of one person against another. And so obviously it was, it was a challenge. Deuteronomy 19.15 says this, A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin, which he has committed. 19.15. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. If a malicious witness rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, 
Then both the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days. And the judges shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness, now that's our topic today, don't, don't bear false witness. And he has accused his brother falsely. Then you shall do to him just as he had intended to do to his brother. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. Now there was not only the system of multiple witnesses in Israel, which made them different from other nations, but there was this additional caveat. If you go in and you accuse somebody of something and it's found out through an investigation of the facts that you are a false witness, the condemnation that would have faced that person is now going to come to you. And all God's people said, ouch. That would ferret out a lot of false witnesses because you'd have to be very careful. Now here's what it says. And the rest will hear, let's say that someone was exposed as a false witness and they got what they wanted to give to somebody else. The rest will hear 20 and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you, which is part of the reason for keeping laws and boundaries. Thus you shall not show pity. And here's something very familiar to us. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Now there was something else that happened in the law of Israel according to what unfolded in time, that if you accuse somebody of a capital crime, and let's say that they were condemned, you had to throw the first stone at them. Now, we all know if we fast forward to the Gospel of John, a woman is caught in the act of adultery. They push her in front of Jesus. She's guilty. But we know that the people there, the religious leadership there, has ulterior motives. They want to condemn Jesus. They want to trap him. And Jesus famously says, let he who is without sin throw the first stone at her. That is ancient law in Israel. You had to not only condemn a person with your verbal testimony, but then you, if you were the the key witness, had to throw the first rock at them to kill them. It's quite a different thing from making an accusation to carrying out, you know, a capital, capital, capital punishment. And this is how it unfolded in Israel. And so, uh, so there were safeguards there. One of the primary ways this was expressed, if you go back to, uh, well, well, we'll turn somewhere else in a second, is in the book of Ruth. And it was a, in a positive case. So here's how it worked. And this, I'll just read this for you. This is Ruth 4, 7 through 10. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel, Ruth 4.8. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy the land for yourself, and he removed his sandal. The sandal or footwear was a symbol of ownership, and it had some other meanings. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, all that belonged to Kilion and Malon, Moreover, I have, re- I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased in, on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from his brother or from the court of his birth. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court, the elders said, we are witnesses. That's Ruth 4, 7 through the beginning of 11. 
So the positive side of this is that if you were a witness to a contract, this is the way it works today. If you were to sign documents, let's say for a loan on a home, typically what they will have is they will have someone there who will bear witness to that. And that person is called a notary. And the notary has a stamp and they will witness you signing the documents. It could be at your home or somewhere else. And then they stamp the documents to, as if to say, I bear witness that so-and-so and so-and-so signed these documents in my presence with my stamp and with the date. And that is the idea of a witness as well. So sometimes you are called in to bear witness to a contract exchange or a legal document. And I will say this to you in passing. As believers who are to be people of truth, if you sign a contract, if you make a commitment to pay an organization, then you ought to be true to your word. I know the society has a lot of wiggle room to get out of debt and all of that. But if you commit that you're going to buy something and you're going to make payments or whatever, then you should follow through with that. I've had some discussions with some people in finance and they say, well, there was such a thing as the year of Jubilee in the Bible. Every 50 years, debts were forgiven and all of that. Maybe there's a little bit of legitimate wiggle room with the year of Jubilee. But I would just say, Jesus put it this way, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You've been listening to The Ninth Commandment, Thou Shalt Not Bear False Witness, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teaching today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Or maybe you'd like to let us know how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, we get to the topic of lying. And, you know, even after becoming a Christian, it's possible for Christians not to be truthful, to lie. Have you ever told a lie? (laughs) Well, I think we'd all have to confess maybe... Even after becoming a Christian, you're backed into a corner and maybe you lied. Maybe you're in a tough spot and you lied. Maybe you, you believe that there is a difference between, you know, maybe a white lie is a little less and dot, 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 right? We can all make our excuses about what we do and why we do it. And maybe, maybe you would say something like this. Well, if I'm still prone to lying, then Maybe I don't have a regenerated heart. Maybe I'm not a Christian. Well, Christians still struggle with sin, but Christians repent of sin. And oftentimes, baggage that we brought into that relationship, so maybe you are prone to steal or lie or lust or whatever, it doesn't automatically go away just because you're born again. You say, well, why not? Why doesn't God just snap his finger his fingers and heal me of this. Maybe you think of lying or lusting or whatever. Well, I heard someone recently say something wise and it was this, that maybe God doesn't snap his fingers and just take things away like lying, lusting, etc. Because he knows the process of us learning to trust him, 
learning to confront our weaknesses and become strong in his strength are the best thing for us. Maybe an overnight snap you're healed is not the best thing for our growth, for our maturity, for our sanctification. So that's something to consider. And again, once again, if we can help you in any way, call us at 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, 844-48-TRUTH. I know as we move these through these commandments, they can be challenging. Remember, Christ fulfilled them for us, but we still have moral responsibility to live out the moral law by the power of the Spirit. And I pray that the Lord will help you with just with that. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. And hopefully, Walk in Truth helps people like you dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Our fiscal year ends March 31st, and thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. You can give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the ninth commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.